Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance, and you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have an amazing guest. She has been in two different productions of Cats, including playing Grizabella in the 2007 U.S. tour. So welcome, Trisha Tanguy, and thank you for joining me. Hello, hello, everyone. How are we? I love talking to Grizabellas because you're <laughs> the thesis of my entire podcast, and we'll get there. But I want to start with just, I love starting with Cat's history because I feel like there's a wide range of everyone who saw it growing up or saw the DVD or the VHS or some level of something way before I was introduced to it in my life. So I'd love to hear kind of when you were introduced to the show and kind of what were your thoughts? Oh my gosh. Well, I just have to say that honestly, this show has like, like everyone, it's crazy that I was actually born the same year that the original company (laughs) opened on Broadway in 1983. So there you go, everyone. I'm 37 years old. So right away, that just to me was always a really special connection to kind of know we all came into this world at the same exact time. Um, So yeah, I think like a lot of kids that end up being in theater, I was obsessed with you know, music and Disney and all those things. And so with cats in particular, I guess I probably definitely saw the video, of course, the VHS that we all kind of iconically remember and think of those of us that are old enough to know the VHS version. Um, so I, I think I definitely did that. And I'm sure I was leaping around my living room and dancing to it and just in utter awe and just out of the beauty of it all and just what a spectacle it was. So, um, yeah, but then my real, I mean, the first time I did this was when I was on the tour in 2007, 2008. Um, I definitely never in my mind had originally thought, oh, I could definitely see myself doing cats. But then when I was on another tour the year before, um, and then I saw that they were actively seeking replacements for the tour in 2007, I thought, oh my gosh, well, why, why not? Wow. What an iconic show. What an iconic role. Of course. Like, why wouldn't I allow myself the opportunity to go in for something like that? So that's when I went in for the audition and from the moment I walked in the door on that first day of rehearsal, I knew what an immense, um, just, it was such a, it was so, it was such a a thing to do out of respect and just, it's an amazing, um, torch to carry, you know? I never doubted that for a second. And I was always so proud and it was such an honor to do that. So I think of anything, that's the one thing I've always really cherished about cats is knowing what a legacy became and that all of us who have kind of been in some way, shape, you know, in any way, shape or form, whether you've done it locally in a regional or community theater production, or if you've done it 
on a tour in a different country or on Broadway. It doesn't matter that there's this really special essence about cats um, that really makes it unique and beautiful. So it is like yeah. a big, it's a big Jellicle family that I've heard mm-hmm. that from a, a few people that's like, you're, you know, I don't want to call it fraternity or, but it's like, it's some, it's a family. It's like, you've been through the same mm-hmm. thing together and there's like a, um, a, a, you know, the experience and it's, it's mm-hmm. an experience, but so you don't have a, a like a, visceral memory of seeing it as a kid or anything it's just like you know you kind of came in for the audition knowing about it you knew you'd seen it but it wasn't like i saw it when i was 10 you know or i have like this exact memory of when and where no i really and that's a sad thing because i was such a theater kid i was obsessed with theater i love i live in i grew up in cleveland ohio and we always used to go and see the national tours when they came through um and i would sit on the edge of my seat i mean like my mom has this glorious story of me when peter pan came through i stood up at intermission and i literally threw out my arms and i went i'm flying and i almost took out the woman next to me and my mom grabbed my arm she goes sweetie you almost smacked her in the face sit down sit down we'll talk when we get home so i just always love theater and I it almost makes me wonder like I wonder what I would have been like as a kid having had that live cast experience because I'm sure it would have been so magical and luckily I've had that I've seen how kids respond and it's such a special gift that we get to give and we see what how we're impacting especially little kids it's so cool it's cool that you've gotten to see that because I've said a lot in this podcast that I don't think it's for Mm -hmm. children and it's because I think I've analyzed this way too deep and, oh. and I know more about like the potential backstory of what these things are, like abusive mm-hmm. relationships, potential sex work, mm-hmm. um, a, an orgy is the ball. Like mm-hmm. these themes are probably not kid friendly. But then at the same time, now I'm starting to slowly come around to like, hey, if you just ignore that and just watch mm-hmm. it, you can bring the joy. So it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. to hear you say that. Oh, for sure. Well, and two, I think it's become such a generational piece. You know, like I said, the show started in 19, like we know it started in 1983. So at this point, you know, even in my age range, people are who grew up being kids and seeing the show. Now they're coming with their parents and their children. And you have three generations of people sitting in that row who all have some magical connection with the show or don't. And they're experiencing it for the first time. So it is really neat to know that it is, there are very few shows, I think, that really bridge that gap between the generations and that a whole family can go and sit and have some kind of a great experience at. Um, and I think this is, a, and again, it's one of the things that I think has made, given this show longevity it's the something that makes the show really special and unique and um yeah cats will never die it's true yeah. <laughs> i mean it's just it's well, true it'll we'll we'll never re- die we'll go to the heavy side layer and be reborn but <laughs> no the uh, it, it, it's very true because i mean my first time seeing it was in 2016 as an adult you know i was also born in the 80s but did not grow up as a theater kid did not go like i mean i i, I went to the touring productions in the midwest as well but definitely mm-hmm. wasn't this like on my radar or anything it was just like we went and we saw the lion king and we saw these things as they came through um but when i went i was i think i was almost just as fascinated as i was a little horrified as that kids were around me because i was like terrified when green eyes came through and like as an adult <laughs> But then I kept like looking around. There was a lot of international um, tourists that were there, and I was like, "This is the mm-hmm. right show to see." If you like, you know, if English isn't your first language, or you don't really even understand the language, you don't need to to really follow the show. Because mm-hmm. I understand language and didn't follow the show for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Still have researched it and recorded thirty plus episodes on this, and still not sure I could say I followed the show. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I kind of do love that. So you auditioned in two thousand seven. You, you, you land, you land the role of Grisabella. Mm-hmm. 
So and what I, oh. were you told? I, I love to hear what were you told about her character? Yeah, well, I, again, will say I feel fortunate that even in 2007, I was doing the tour. I was working with Richard Stafford, who was the dance supervisor for the Broadway company and had been in the original Broadway company as Skimble Shanks and then also to cover Mistopheles. And then Kristen Blodgett was my musical supervisor, who is, you know, the second to Andrew Lloyd Webber, you know, Mm -hmm. everything he touches, she works on. So I at that age, I was 24 playing Grisabella. And here I was working with Kristen Blodgett and having one-on-one coachings with her, you know? So, and then fast forward again to the revival company and then the, the, um, the national tour and I'm working with Kristen again. Um, so I feel very fortunate that I was very close with them knowing that they were really close to the original material so that it wasn't, you know, Again, because again, however you look at cats, it can kind of almost be put through a filter in a way, because I don't want to say watered down because that's a bad way to, that seems like it's negating it. But in a way, the more hands it passes through, the less authentic it can seem. I I guess I don't want to dumb it down, but (laughs) you know what I mean? As you, it passes down, it can become less of what the original intention was. Right. So for sure. Right. Oh, for sure. So I was like, wow. So here I am working with the Kristen Blodgett and Richard Stafford giving me this material. Holy cow. Um, But again, a set of 24 year old ears was hearing it. And a 24 year old who at that point in my life, yes, I'd lived through things, but it wasn't the same as fast forward when I was 36 and seeing it now through those eyes and that lived experience. Um, so, and again, this, you know, malleable way of finding moments that we of course all learn when we go to school, if you go to school for a theater and acting like finding, even if you haven't lived through it yourself, finding things within it that is going to bring the reality to you so that through you, you're bringing the most sincere performance and reality to the people who are living through this in a living, breathing theater experience. So, yeah. So with Grisabella, you know, it was like knowing really for her, just channeling, like, what, what is it that she's been through? Like, how does it, you know, what is, how, how does she have strength knowing that when she enters a room, everyone, not only do they turn their back, but they're aggressive, they're nasty. They don't like her. They don't want her there. And how much courage and strength that takes to be able to walk into a room like that. And I think they're in some, even whether it's a big or small way, I think a lot of us have been in those positions, you know, that we can mm-hmm. relate where you've walked into a room and you haven't necessarily, you're like, oh, I don't know anybody at this party. I feel kind of strange. I should leave. Or you come in and say, you know what? I'm going to have fun regardless. I'm coming in because I have every right to be here. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think at 24, that's kind of where, you know, finding her quiet strength that she has of knowing that she did have every right to be in there simply because she exists. And so being able to come into the space and allowing that. And then again, like not feeling like it was, she had to be so tough, but just knowing that she was enough. So I think that's always been a really interesting side and keeping with, I don't want to say her humanity because she is a cat, but that human trait that we can relate to. Yeah. And you know, it's, there's, there's so many layers to the show. Mm-hmm. And I like love hearing that and like the the thought behind that of like the emotional connection to what Grizabella is bringing to the story. Mm-hmm. And then here I am looking at it being like, what happened? Like, what, where did she go before she mm-hmm. came back? 
and right. less about the emotional connection to it and more about like why did she leave what's her backstory, and, what's her backstory? Yeah. and that's how i've like looked at every character mm-hmm. and then from the lens i've kind of taken and so I've, I've always been fascinated by like what you've been told about it and if if you're not told mm-hmm. anything it's just like hey here's the emotional connection of like the mm-hmm. what you should be feeling Ultimately, what I, I am curious is, were you ever given that backstory or did, were you given more of the emotional pieces of like how to play the character, but not necessarily like, this is why Grizabella left and here's where she went and here's where she's coming back. Because I have theories, but mm-hmm. I've always been curious if there's an answer to my theories. Oh, yes and no. I mean, I I have this wonderful voice memo recording that I, and I'm wishing I had listened to it today because I haven't listened to it in a while because <laughs> I'd love to have it fresh in my head. But uh, Chrissy Cartwright, who was Jillian Lynn's um, assistant, who's brilliant. She's from England. She's wonderful. We worked with her with the revival tour. And um, she, I really was fortunate to sit in the room with her while she worked with Kira Renee Fuller, me and um, uh, Maria, who was the other cover with me. And we sat there and just got to watch Chrissy talk through memory and her entrance all the way through. And I just was like, pull out your voice memo, Trisha, take it out, record this right now. So I have a little voice memo and just kind of, you know, this idea of her, like, you know, she has every ounce of strength she needs just to walk through the room. So that's why her pace is very slow. It's almost like she's walking on eggshells because every Mm -hmm. step she takes is guarded and painful and difficult. And she's reserving every ounce of strength that she can. Um, so, and I mean, she, she talks through the whole thing about, you know, just, and she would coach us through, like, as we were singing, she would kind of like throw in little things to us to kind of take in as we continue to do the material. So that was, that was amazing. But what's interesting is we would do that, but then when we would go through a run through and we did it another way, we didn't always have to do it exactly because what was most important was living in that moment depending Mm -hmm. on what we were given, because again, it's live theater. And you know what, today I might glance over and Tugger might be really giving me some nasty eyes today. And that can inform what I'm about to do. Or I could look over and see a real gentleness with old Deuteronomy and Victoria that I hadn't seen in that capacity before. And that can inform the moment. So that's the beauty and the living, breathing nature of this piece is that it can change. And we have that flexibility and that capacity to let it breathe and to change and to not obviously night and day, like things aren't going to change, but it really helps keep the show fresh. So one thing, okay. So 2007, when I did it, one thing that I specifically played with, with that specific company, um, was the fact that probably Grizabella and Monk are the parents of Victoria. Okay. Yeah. That, so there's, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, I've never heard monk, but that makes sense. I or maybe it's you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of dotted lines with the with the cat's uh-huh. family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, no, for sure. And so, but the Victoria being your daughter is mm-hmm. uh, seems right. Right, and especially because I I did listen into the I loved listening into your episode with Adam. It was awesome. Um, it made me miss him just hearing his yeah. voice. Um, but yes, yeah, so I listened in. I was like, you know what? It's true. And his thing about syllabub, I thought that was really an interesting take that I hadn't thought about previously. That she's the one that always sings with her. Um, but I don't know. I think again, it comes back with Victoria because she's all white. That's that symbolic form of purity mm-hmm. and that she in her purest form would be the first one to open her art, her heart and her eyes to Grizabella and be the first one to welcome her home and to touch her. And so that has always been like, of course, and again, 
furthering the notion that that's her daughter on top of it, especially yeah. if she doesn't know. Oh, so I always really loved that because, oh man, when you put your hand out and then you feel that touch, like it knowing this is my daughter, this is my baby. You have that like release, like no other. It's crazy. Um, so yeah. So I always, again, why would Monk be so protective and the first one to be so guarded and protected protective when Isabella enters the space why mm. is he of course you know always looking to old dude for you know to verify that he should be doing this but also the first one to be like the first to protect the kittens and i think it hasn't even it, it deepens it if that's actually his daughter with her right yeah so oh, sure. and then that always really infused our our connection, the monk and I, when I was on that tour, um, it really helped our dynamic on stage, uh, so, so much. Um, so, and then on this other one, um, that I just did. Yeah. I mean, it was really interesting because Andy Blankenbuehler, when he came in and kind of put his spin on things, um, I was very fortunate that I worked with Andy previous to this. I did the Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat tour. Um, so just having that amazing opportunity to kind of really be in a room with all the time and to see how his brain works and how he loves to infuse pieces and work on things and where he comes from. So then when he put his spin on cats, dropping into cats that I already knew, but now with an Andy twist for me was like, ding, 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 ding. I just, mm -hmm. I loved it so much. Um, so yeah. So just knowing how he creates, he always creates an atmosphere with not the person who's currently in the center of the stage in the spotlight. Andy shows, no matter what it is, Hamilton in the Heights, our Joseph tour cats, it doesn't matter. A bandstand, all of them. He always uses the ensemble to inform what's happening with the main person who's on stage. So if you want to know at any given moment, how does this ensemble feel about the person who the song is about? All you have to do is look at the ensemble because he uses them to do all of the storytelling in that moment. So he really did that with this, with especially with all the Grisabella moments, with using their... Um, like using all of them, like all the movements that are there and just their body language. And, um, you know, we weren't really supposed to be hissing a lot in this show. He was really kind of anti, like, you know, like all of the verbal hissing because he wanted our bodies and our postures and all of that to inform things rather than any kind of audible sound. Um, so yeah, so I just thought it was awesome. And I really think that he kind of helped really take that another layer deeper in the storytelling with Frizz in particular. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's fascinating about that is that when you look at the Wikipedia, there's a cat's Wikipedia page, like a fan Wikipedia page that has a lot of like rumors and all kinds of stuff. There's like 4,000 pages or, or more. Mm -hmm. um, it's mostly centered. A lot of it is based off of 2016, the mm -hmm. revival. Mm -hmm. But if you try to go, if you're me, who saw mm -hmm. the, the, that performance twice and no mm -hmm. other variation of cats ever live. Mm -hmm. All of the things I can go reference are the VHS. And that's mostly it. Cause that's what's on YouTube. That's what's you can you know buy. Like that's where you can go find a copy of this. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's interesting. Like I would love to be able to go back and watch the 2016 version knowing you know, the information I know now about just the story in general and, you know, these things I've picked up talking to to your tour cast and the 16 cast. And I'm talking to some of the, the cast from the, the 80s tour 
like what, how this all fuses together, because I think there's so much, and I've interviewed a few fans who go to watch like one cat the whole way through or go to like pull through the other pieces. I was so mesmerized the first time I had no idea what's happening. And then the second time I was a little intoxicated because I, I knew better the second time. And I was ready to, to like, just enjoy the experience but I'd still constantly was being like, Ooh, this was happening and this was there. And I had no idea that was happening. I don't remember this from the first time and maybe they changed it. Like maybe it was different than the Mm -hmm. first time. Um, And so I I feel like there's something that next time I see this show live, I'm going to be like very much more in tune to a lot of these things. I I don't think I can go see as easily because the videos even kind of jump cut around and in parts where Mm -hmm. I can't see what that person's doing or that cat's doing. Yeah, of course. I know. It's always, I know it's the same thing. Like when, um, when any show gets put onto film, you know, it's because through that lens, we're being told what we're supposed to watch. Mm-hmm. Right. But when you sit in a theater, you can look anywhere. Sometimes I just turn around. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to check out what the conductor's doing right now. Oh, they're cueing the, you know, offstage vocalist. I love it. You know, so you can just yeah. kind of tune in wherever you want. So that's that was, fun. that was bad for me. I saw the last thing I saw before <laughs> was I saw Diana and I ended oh. up with someone gave the, you know, we had tickets from a work thing and I ended up in the very first row behind the conductor. And I barely watched mm-hmm. the show because I watched the conductor the whole time because uh-huh. I was just fascinated by that whole experience. Cause it's not something I normally get to see mm-hmm. um, being like right now. I mean, literally behind him. Oh, and just the best seat in the the house. Yeah, I was like, this is nuts. Like it's kind of a wild ride for that. And just seeing everything queuing and just stuff that I, you know, again, I, I'm not a theater mm-hmm. person. I don't sing. I don't dance. I didn't do theater growing up. I was not in plays even in elementary school because I played mm-hmm. sports and like, I couldn't do the rehearsals. And so I, I just didn't do them. So seeing all this stuff to me is just like, it's, it's foreign. It's like totally, like I, I can't even fathom it, um, which is why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you're doing this too, because it's, it's really awesome to like have your risk. Res- you just, you're so respectful of what all of us do and the industry and what the impact is. So it's awesome. So thank you. If you don't hear that enough, you should. So thank <laughs> I you appreciate for all that. that you're doing. Yeah. I, you know, as much as I've poked fun at the, the story, which I still have big gripes with the story. I still think mm-hmm. the way the story was written, I disagree with, um, mm. but it doesn't change the fact that like, and I, and it's such a polarizing show. It doesn't change the mm-hmm. fact that to anybody who hates the show and there are those people that hate it. It's like, it's still one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. the stage is in, as absurdly detailed and really cool set design. Half the dancing, I was just like, and someone, I just recently learned that the stage is slanted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, so I can't even imagine doing it flat, let alone doing some of these moves on a slanted floor. It's like all these things that are coming through. It's like, it's still watching the the peak performers doing an incredibly difficult thing. And so mm-hmm. I have total respect for that. I still wow. do, totally disagree with the, the story. Ah, <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, do you know about the whole Jellicle cats? Like how that came up? Have you heard that before? So about it comes deer- from the poems. Okay, but why it's jellical? Like what that no. kind of breaks out? I, okay. Someone might have, the thing is, is at this point I've been told so much and I don't know what's real, what's fake. And <laughs> I like, I still kind of stick into my lane that Grisabelle shouldn't have died at the end. And that's, that's, uh-huh. that's my take. Um, so someone might have educated me on this and I might okay. just be forgetting it. So I apologize uh-huh. if I've already talked to you. Like I, I keep thinking the fabulous invalid guys, they, they told me all kinds of stuff and it was like so overwhelming because uh-huh. they just know so much about theater. Amazing. Um, so, but, but tell me what's, let's yeah, hear so it. 
Well, we we thought we saw a video that they played for us from Andrew Lloyd Webber on our first day of rehearsal for the revival tour. Um, so they basically said that he, as little children, they used to say, dear little cats, dear little. And then that kind of like developed into jellicle, like dear little. Wow. Like, so that's where jellicle cats it. came from. Isn't that fun? So it was like, that's okay, dear little cats. Uh-huh. Yep. I, you know, <laughs> and so, and then a lot of it's based on the poem mm-hmm. of, uh, there. And then the poem of Grizabella is not in the book. Nope. That is a completely separate poem that he found and then realized, wow, this is really beautiful. I should set this to music. And it's, it is such a stunning poem and so beautifully written. I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that day happened for you and that you made it a song because here we are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But what's what's wild is that that poem was not in the book because T.S. Eliot thought it was too dark for children. And mm-hmm. that is like the rationale. So again, that's part of my evidence of why children, mm-hmm. I think, is, shouldn't see it. But mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to me that that's like, it, again, the creation of the show is we took this one thing, put it into the rest, made some tweaks. I did criticize, not criticize, but I called out all the different differences between the songs and the poems mm-hmm. um, and found some pockets of where it was like, some change. There's there's a couple changes that I'm just like he didn't need to make, and then there are plenty where I'm like, okay, that makes sense to cut out. Mm-hmm. But I still look at it, and as someone who likes sitcoms, as someone who likes like clear cut beginning, middle, end, conflict resolution type of thing, mm-hmm. still have, like struggle with the show, and that's why like to me the writing is like you can interpret it a million different ways. I love hearing mm-hmm. all these things about it, mm-hmm. but I'm still going like. Yeah, it's a singing competition, and and then we kill one at the end, and we kill the one that everyone hated. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, I don't like knowing that your ideas about Grizabella not being the one who should have been chosen. I, especially now, especially with all of the conversations that we're finally having in such mass quantities in this country, this notion of judging a book by its cover making assumptions and jump in sticking with your first opinion of something and that how can we come together to be better and be kinder, you know, and without, without being judgmental. Right. So I think that is the, I mean, inevitably that is the discussion that we've always had is that old, the reason, and always why the question like, well, then why doesn't old Deuteronomy just pick someone? Why not? Like he knows, he knows who he wants in theory. So why doesn't he just go, because the show would be 10 minutes, of course, they do yeah. the opening number and then old Deuteronomy would be like, welcome to the local ball. Just kidding. I'm picking the cat and it's the, it's the end. We're done. Right. So why that? Why the whole show? But I think it's again, that in a way to me, it's almost like a parent teaching a child by making them live through an experience rather than just at the beginning saying you should do this probably but they're going to make the kid go through all of the uh, several things so that they learn through experience. And to me, that's what cats completely is about. Right. So he's letting everybody live through and to see everyone for who they are and what they present and their best traits and everything. And then in that reminder of why are we doing this to Grizabella? Why are you doing this to her? Do you completely understand what she's going through and why would you make assumptions about her? So that's why rather than him making the choice, he makes it a, a, an actual conscious shift for the people, for all of the cats on that stage to recognize their own bias feelings and their own Interesting. things. So I, to me, especially Interesting. now, 
it's so like it's it's even more relevant and i'm like oh i just want to do cats now after the pandemic (laughs) you know because it is it's even more about about all of that and you know and how much more sacred and special is that interesting so your take okay now i really think it should be grisabella i still do i'm sorry no no it's it's, getting to wear the cute little kitten heels especially getting to you know sing memory in my uh especially in this last version where i had to wear like a belt that was all rigged to fly Ooh, that was comfy not really (laughs) um but um okay so this is interesting because i don't think I've, i've heard this is this version everyone has a slight oh, okay. like, take on it so i from what i'm mm-hmm. hearing you're saying is that old deuteronomy knows that grizabella is his choice before the show starts it's like we've decided but the best way for me to teach the jellical tribe a lesson of acceptance and all you know again all mm-hmm. the positive things is i'm going to make everybody tell their story and then i'm going to showcase the one that like we've been mean to we've kind of exiled and that's like your the belief of like that's why she wins I, you know wins is the wrong word she you know, she dies right. she wins like whatever she's rewarded but that you're saying old dude around me knew from day one and this was a not a social experiment but this was a way to teach it was a teaching moment well and i do think in in the same vein it was a social experiment because it's instead true. of him telling them this is who i'm picking and why it becomes a I'm going to make you see through why this person should be picked. And inevitably you will all pick for the same reason that I already know she's the one who should be picked. That is he knows, he knows, he knows because that's why he's wise. He's wise. He, and that's why he is old Deuteronomy and he's so well loved and he's so, you know, he's this magical being, right? Because he has so much wisdom and truth behind what he does. And so everyone respects him. So I think they would respect his choice. But again, it's that he's making the tribe choose. He's making them choose. So that's why at the very beginning, they would have never picked Grizz. But that's also, that's another thing that um, when you do see the show again or watch any clip of Cats, and they, when she starts Memory, they all, the entire, they're all at that, you know, when they, when you finish off Misto, he, makes the pin spot really small and sends it up. Syllabub sings memory. And then that's when Grizz, again, she always enters in the moment where she's least welcome, mm-hmm. right? They're always having some big party or they're having a really beautiful tender moment. And Grizz is the catalyst that changes it again. And everybody is like, oh, the buzzkill. Why is Grizz here again, right? So especially in this moment, but this is her last chance. This is her very last chance. And she hasn't presented her, her story yet. Because if you remember, then the very first act, Little Memory, which comes after the Jellicle Ball, they've all just done this giant celebration. She got shunned during the Jellicle Ball, so she mm-hmm. wasn't part of it. She came in, everybody left the stage, and she was left alone, doesn't know that old Deuteronomy is still there. She thinks mm-hmm. she's alone. And that was her chance, and that was when we really, we as an audience member get to see her. The cats don't. We do as the audience. So that was when we connect with her. So then after that, but so again, she still hasn't had her presentational moment, right? To come forth like Skimbleshanks has gone and Misto's gone and everybody, everybody's done their work, their magic literally and has done their thing. Grizz hasn't yet, right? So now this is her last chance because if she doesn't come forth and that's what, that's like the intensity and the driving force behind memory is that she has to present in this very moment. Otherwise, this, she will die. This She will die. Tonight will be the die. She either will be picked and she'll get another life or tonight is her last night 
on the earth. She will die. So do you think in your theory that old Deuteronomy knows at the beginning of the show or it's the little memory that's, that seals it for him? See, for me, I think, I don't, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I feel like you could play with two options. One being that he comes into this jellicle ball with maybe like a top three. And in my mind, I don't know who the third would be. I think it should, in theory, it would be Gus, Grizz, and I actually don't know who the third would be. Maybe Jenny Annie? Maybe? But but then again, in the revival, she's young and spunky. But in the original, yeah. she's older, right? So a, I don't even know. Every Jenny I've talked to doesn't feel that they they feel that they can go. They feel they have uh, still they to be, be mom there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So I don't know. So maybe he comes in with a top three, you know, maybe it's like, you know, the finale of American Idol and he's got top, he's got top two or top three. And now we got to do a sing off and figure it out. So maybe, but I think in that moment in with little memory, I think that is a turning point for him. And I think that is his like, okay, she's here. She is trying so desperately and she needs this moment. So even if it's me making, keeping everybody in check so that she has her moment, which is inevitably how memory starts, like from our end. And I, I think everyone in the audience does perceive that as well Is you know, again, it's Grizz is here. Everyone puts their guards up. They all come, they retract her. They come up to her. They tell, they, you know, forcefully are hissing and tell her to go. She fights her way through. She comes in. And in that, so finally, it's when Doot will always usually look to Monk and says, no, no, mm-hmm. over there. And Monk has to step down. And then it is that final moment where Doot looks Grizz at the, in the eye and will go, go ahead. And then she'll take one more step in and our left foot always usually goes on the eye of the tiger on the stage. Um, so she'll like, and that is usually when the, the beginning, um, the beginning chord start of memory. And then that's when she starts because she's being allowed the opportunity. Like the moment is yours. This, this is your time. Take it, you know? So, and then that's how memory happens. And that's, that's her time to actually, finally be a part of it in some weird you know in this way and in that moment especially in this revival version andy may i think it was andy again i'm not sure it could be a combination of of course the original with jillian and chrissy cartwright and andy and everyone but he made it very distinct that he wanted everybody to be turned away from grizz Mm -hmm. everyone's turned away except for sweet little victoria who is very much looking at her and very intrigued. So old dude and Victoria are the only eyeballs, like as Grisabella, they're the only eyeballs that you get to see in the beginning. So, and everyone else is turned away. So, and then that, and this was one of the things we did in, um, I know you talked about cat school, but in Felinity school is we had these, okay, now that you know how to move like a cat, now we need to infuse what the story is. Mm-hmm. So knowing your character traits, how, who do you relate to? Who are your friends? If you're a kitten, who's your best friend? Who's your mom? Who's your cousin? Who's, you know, who's someone you're scared of? Who's someone you really like or you feel nurtured by, right? So knowing these relationships, we would have, they, when Grizabella would sing Memory, they said, now I want you to just to think in your world as your cat, listening to her words, when would be the moment? And it can, ch- again, it can change every day based on how you feel. Today, how are you feeling? And when is it that you finally are coming to the moment where you can turn around and you want to give her your full attention because you're with her and you get it? Or you're intrigued and you want to listen, right? Or you just are finally being a little more forgiving and you're taking the edge off and you can give her your energy, right? So by the end, especially, I believe it's by Touch Me, 
everybody is facing Grizz, mm. right? So again, that notion of like, again, old Deuteronomy didn't say, okay, everybody, shush, you have to listen, you know, strict, 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 you have to listen right now. He just gave her the space. He didn't tell them they had to turn around. You know what I mean? He didn't ever, there's nothing and no force. It's everyone having their, I want to say come to Jesus moment, but it's kind of that (laughs) where they would come around and everyone finally comes around to this notion of, wow, you're right. We were wrong. We, she deserves to be listened to. And in that moment, that is when the choice was made. Not even Grizabella's touch. To me, it wasn't Grizabella. I mean, sorry, Victoria's touch. That isn't the, that's the, that's like the physical, you know, icing on the little cheering on top of the Sunday that we've made. Mm-hmm. But it's for me, it's that full physical turning around that in the storytelling is everybody saying, we, okay, okay, we're sorry. If that's what we need to say is we're sorry, we forgive you. And then just Victoria is the touch. And by then everyone, the receiving line is, starts to form at mm-hmm. that point. So it was the tribe's decision. So, that is, yeah, so hey, there's that. So, uh, that's, so I like, yeah. I really like that because it's, you know, there's a lot of, I've heard a lot of theories. I've heard a lot mm-hmm. of versions of this. I did like Adam mm-hmm. kind of was the first one to, to me that really mentioned the not seeing, the only one seeing Grizz and Little Memory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a bunch of other variations of this as well. Uh, that's the first time I've heard someone think that the, or say that the decision has been made before it started. And this is a, mm-hmm. a, a lesson and that's a, an interesting take on it. I love that you mentioned American Idol. Cause that was my take. Uh-huh. I saw, I saw Leona Lewis mm-hmm. and I thought I saw a, a, the most wild X factor episode I've ever seen um, when I walked out of the theater the first time. So I'm, I'm very conscious that the majority of my take centers around Mm-hmm. I view Old Deuteronomy as a Simon Cowell, and I view mm-hmm. every person that had their own song as a performer that gave their choice mm-hmm. to go up there, and I'm going to pick the best winner. And mm-hmm. I think you can make an argument for, for Grizabella, especially when you get the great editing and they talk about the redemption story and whatever craziness mm-hmm. she went through. Mm-hmm, but that mm-hmm. wasn't the most – that wasn't my, my winner. Um, and that's mm-hmm. kind of why I've always looked at it from that lens, but I've never looked at it from the lens of – Old Deuteronomy already knew there's a lot more already happening. And this is just one day's kind of story to his decision has been made. I looked at it as everyone's going up there, giving their best effort. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to pick and, and old mm-hmm. Deuteronomy is going to pick as the judge. And, mm-hmm. and there was some, some bias, which is why, you know, I think he picked wrong. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, and again, how cool that, one, the show exists in this form so that these conversations can be had, right? It isn't so clear cut. It isn't just one way or it's not all black and white, right? Uh, and so yeah. I think that's what's really, even though that's what the show logo is with some yellow eyes, yeah, um, it's exactly. ironic, right? You know, so it's really cool. And again, and every version is what makes them unique. And it's all yeah. about the relationships within the show. And there's more too. I mean, there's just so many other layers to it that, I, that I've uncovered of like, if these two people were friends off stage, as performers uh-huh. and mm-hmm. their cats might become closer, even though that might not be as a traditionalist version of it. And that's like, I think also kind of fun. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's some people, the, the, some super fans are not big on that. You know, it's like, no, you didn't play that the way it's supposed to, but I personally like that. Like I like the, oh, yeah. the, the nuance to that of like, it's fun. And 99% of the people in the theater aren't going to know, notice, you know, or like they're not going to mm-hmm. pick up on that. Um, which is what gives you as performers also some creative 
like space to make it so eight shows a week is eight shows a week. There's some some fun with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, especially too. It's really it's always so interesting when you you know, you remember, you know what the show was when it, especially when the long running production of this, right? Like the shows go on for like years and years. So when you think of how the show started and how it kind of ebbs and flows and blossoms and changes as it goes. And again, the, the knowing that as long as we're all safe, and that's one thing we've always talked about, things can change, things can slightly adjust, but as long as everyone is safe and no one's filling out accident reports because of changes, (laughs) then let's just say like, be smart and be courteous and be, you know, keep within the context of the show. But again, it does have that wiggle room, that breathing room. And in a way that's what really does help keep it, even though, oh my gosh, I have so much respect for all of the dancers in the show because physically the show is epic. And to say to keep it fresh, like, I don't know how some of them do it eight shows a week. They're unbelievable, you know? So whatever it is, because their physical game, they are doing that, but then also whatever they need to do to keep their mental game alive and fresh so that their physical self can keep going. Bless them. That <laughs> like, was, keep it going. Work your magic. Keep making it happen. You know. That was my 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 biggest takeaway when I was kind of poking fun at the show, and then I was talking to people that like hated it. I'm like, yeah, but like, did you did you watch it? I was like, some of that some of that dancing. I was like, some of that dancing was crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, that is is a skill. That is a talent yeah. that most people don't have. Yes. And so to me, I was like, you can hate the the show, the plot, all that stuff, all you want. But to be able to to do those dancing, and then to be able to do the dancing and sing, mm-hmm. and and be on stage and all be able time, to do your makeup plot, yeah, <laughs> and, and be too, <laughs> and be running through the crowd. I mean, I was just like, it physically looked like one of the most impressive feats I've ever seen um, uh, on Broadway, and that's why I was like, I was like, I I can criticize to an extent, but at the same time, like I also like was beyond impressed on a lot of pieces of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad you like it so much. Well, obviously we're here talking about yeah. it. So <laughs> I, know, I, I now I now have no way more than I ever expected to uh, about the show when I started. Um, but here we are. And so let's do some rapid fire because uh, okay. we, we've now already answered my, my last question. So we've we've dug deep oh. into was Grizabella the right or wrong choice. So I feel good about that. I'm glad we, we covered it. But let's do some some quick ones. Who if you, I like asking this question. I'm kind of tweaking this question now because I always just say, "Who would you want to play another character in the show?" But I like mm-hmm. to say, "Who would you want to play?" Ignoring male, female, ignoring if it's like in your vocal range, ignoring if it's like you're, mm-hmm. you know, not not this like just if you could play any track, ignoring could you actually do it or not? Which one mm-hmm. would you really want to do? Um, I, it's a tie because I. Jenny has always been like the sweetest, cutest thing. I've always loved that track and everything it is. It's motherly. It's fun. It's playful. It's all the things. And I think that's just because that checks a lot of boxes for Trisha <laughs> in yeah. terms of like, oh, I can be myself on stage. Um, but Skimble Shanks, I love Skimble Shanks. I that's think he's one. so cute. Yeah. So you pick I the tap. Mean, you like the tap numbers. Yeah, I do. You know, and I'm so glad that they made it a tap number for the movie. I thought it was so cute. I've always said, why isn't this a tap number? I love it. Um, yeah, Skimble's so much fun. So that's I fun. would have to say okay. tied for the two of those. That okay. or I would want to be the Foy person who makes Grizz fly because oh. I, I had never flown previous to doing the revival. And I, like I told you the Peter Pan story early, I was obsessed with 
on stage flying or just flying in general. So when I got to fly for the first time, I remember just hugging my the the text like so hard. I was like, I love this so much. Thank you for making me Tinkerbell today. <laughs> you know. So anyway, if I couldn't be on stage, then I would want to be the foy person. It is your full wonderful. circle, full full circle moment for you. <laughs> it was. Like, it really was. Seeing the show and getting to fly. What about <laughs> favorite song of the the show? Oh, a favorite song. I just I love old Deuteronomy. Is that wild to say? But I and I also like Moonlight because the little moonlight turn your face to the moonlight, right? Mm -hmm. That was horrible. Don't edit that. Edit it out. Um, <laughs> That's definitely staying um, in. That is not getting oh, good. Oh, great, awesome. Um, so I love that because again, it keeps coming around, and each time you hear it, it just you kind of sink your teeth in more, and you like it just deepens its meaning as to why it's in the show. So I do like that. It's like the little sprinkling of fairy dust throughout the show. But I really love Old Deuteronomy. There's just something about the orchestration. And like there was this one, the underscoring, like the, um, like when I was in the booth, there's this one section of the ooze that, the four, that we'd sing in four-part harmony. And it was just so warm and lush. It's just like holding a cup of tea in a cozy sweater on a, on a cold day. It just warmed my soul. And I think something about that is just, it, you know, it's just such a, a big hug within the show that you, in that moment, I think we all need before it becomes playful and fun. And, you know, cause everyone loves Tugger and that's such a fun, energetic number. And the opening is great. And, you know, everything serves its purpose, but in that moment it is, it's just that nice warm hug and the celebration. And it's beautiful too. And the full company sings together. Yeah. That's another one. Grizz isn't on stage, but when you think about like really full company singing like this really lush number, that's one of them. And I really do like it for that reason. That's awesome. What about favorite and least favorite character? Oh, least favorite character. Um, I mean, McCavity, I know we have to have conflict, but I also just feel for that track because he's like having to do all of the things Plato McCavity. Oh my gosh, bless them all. They just between costume changes and what's physically demanding and it's just so much. It's fun, but Again, for me, if I want to bring kids to a show, I'd be like, oh, McCavity is a little scary. And I don't want them to be scared, but they have to yeah. be. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, McCavity's great. Favorite characters, though, I've always thought Bomb is just such an awesome track. Always. You know, mm. she's so fiery. Of course, she's in a red unitard. But um, just in the best ways, she's great. Bomb's That's always awesome. fun. And Tugger. I mean, come on. Tugger's awesome. Look at that costume. It's so cool. You're like cats, but Simba, but cats. <laughs> yeah great. yeah okay my last rapid fire question okay i'm gonna have to give a little backstory i think because i didn't know this existed but there's a group of people that are on tumblr that oh. actually write as if they are one of the characters and they like end up in situations so it's like they're in normal everyday life and then they're interacting with each other so i would write as one you would write as one and we'd kind of go back and forth on tumblr making mm -hmm. the scenario so it's like a little bit of like almost live action of it of so i want to know who would you want to write like which character would you really want to be the writer for of like if you're going to take control in just everyday scenarios and act as that particular cat who would you want to write as Hmm. Well, first off, can I just say that when you said Tumblr, I thought you said Tinder. 
But then when you continued to speak and you said what you said about going back and forth, I was like, well, this could also work on Tinder. So um, that's Tinder. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh boy. Um, wow, maybe. Okay, so maybe I would want to be Buster for Jones because I secretly want to have a food blog. I like (laughs) that. That's good. Maybe he like reviews restaurants and he kind of, you know, his his hand in the foodie scene. And maybe he has like a food channel. Maybe he's got like his little kitty cat cameras all set up and he's, you know, making recipes and posting stuff and how he makes his different favorite foods. That's fun. That's probably way more wholesome (laughs) than than actually what's happening on Tumblr. But I always said McCaffrey. I always yeah. said McCaffrey, yeah, because it's fun to write the villain. You know, if you're, mm-hmm. it'd be oh, more fun sure. to, to kind of write that storyline. But uh-huh. most important question how can we find you on social media and oh stay in gosh. touch? Sure. Yeah. Well, I have my website, of course, trishatanguy.com. And then everything else, Twitter, Instagram, it's all at trishatanguy. And if you're wondering how I spell it without looking at it, it is I'm a pale girl. But my last name is Tan Guy, T-A-N-G-U-Y. And I spell Trisha with C-I-A, not S-H-A. Because I'm really Patricia. <laughs> so. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here, humoring me, cool. ed- educating me. I loved hearing your theory. It's definitely not one I've heard, but I it's like it's I, I like it. It's like very uh, educational, timely of what's going on. Um, and, and kind of, it really fits, but it also makes Grizabel the right choice. And I don't like that. Oh, well, <laughs> it's so hard again. It was such an honor to walk in her shoes and to literally fill that iconic space. So it's kind of like, okay, I got to justify every step of the way. So how could I think otherwise, I guess, <laughs> but amazing, amazing. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode with Trisha Tangai and the Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.